Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Podcast, where your hosts, U.S. Air Force veterans, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson will help you transition from the front line to the home front. Listen every other Wednesday as they will bring great conversations, resources, tips, and feel-good stories that will resonate and relate. Now, here's your hosts, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We're so glad to have you listening in to Beyond the Front Lines. We have some exciting stuff in store for you. And as always, I'm joined by, I love to call her my partner in crime. And if you only knew, I'm joined by Donna. What's going on? Good morning, Jay. (laughs) What's going on? I'm going to let you start because it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah, it has been crazy. So everybody, just so you know, because this is going to tie into today, even as we begin to talk about awareness, before your awareness, we're actually recording this from our respective homes because... Over the last week, I was diagnosed with COVID, and uh, the good news is I'm on the mend. I've turned the corner and starting to feel a little spry. Amazingly, I didn't get it, and I've been basically with him for like two straight weeks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. So when you hear me say that Donna's my partner in crime, everybody, I drag her into so many things. Usually, she's a willing... Uh, participant when I say dragged, but I had the opportunity presented to me to operate, not own, but operate a fireworks store, not a stand, a store over the Christmas break, because a lot of people love to shoot fireworks heading into the new year. And so Donna, you spent literally two weeks with me in close proximity Helping Pretty me much. run this store. We jumped in with two feet. And while well, Jay actually probably knew more of what he was doing, I had no idea. But he has like a grocery store pass from way back that he could tap into those skills. <laughs> and I just followed behind with a pricing gun. <laughs> yeah, well, she... Yeah, you were an instrumental piece of the success. We had a pretty cool team around us. It was a lot of fun, but I guess it was somewhere in that experience, Donna, that I crossed paths with somebody and COVID finally was able to to grab a hold of me. But anyway, it, it was a it was a fun two weeks and I always enjoy just interacting with you because our conversations, much like everyone listening to this podcast, we hope you find value in. This is how who Donna and I are normally. We have these conversations when we're together normally. It doesn't <laughs> matter if we're sitting over a meal out with respective families or if we're just hanging out together doing some project. We have these conversations all the time. Speaking of podcasts, Donna, we yeah. got some exciting news, didn't we? did. So our podcast is going to be changing up a little bit, not significantly right now because we're just kind of experimenting, but we're going to be extending our time. So we love to know, are these too long, these too short? Um, Are we hitting our mark? Are you following us? Is what we're offering you value? Because that's really always our goal for Jay and I is to offer you something of value. So we'd love to hear from you guys, but we are moving up to about an hour. And in the future coming down, we will probably be bringing in some some guests to come talk to us about special topics. And yeah, really, that's kind of where everything's going right now. And then we'll figure the rest out from there. It's exciting. And you're exactly right when you said our entire goal is about adding value to our listeners. That's so true. And when Donna just asked all of you, hey, provide feedback to us. We really do covet that. We welcome it, even if it's constructive uh, feedback. But you know what? If you just even want to drop a note that says, hey, this is who I am from, wherever you're listening from, do that. Provide us that. And, and maybe on one of our next podcast or so, we'll actually just give a shout out. And here's an example. Okay. Joe from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, just dropped us a hello. So Joe, we're extending that hello back. So give us something. We love to interact with you all. So Donna, today, yeah, as we promised everybody, we've been kind of taking them on a journey. We've been hitting on things of importance to them in a way that seemed logical to you and I. And on the previous episode, you and I were really talking about personality and human Uh behavior. And today we're going to start to delve into the human mind. You want to maybe just tee up a little bit of why we believe it was important? So conscious and subconscious, right? That's what we're going to be focusing on. I love the brain. One, because I think I need to use mine more. Two, 
I have a child with ADHD and that's where I really started learning about the human brain, brain waves, the functionality of the brain and how we can improve it through training our subconscious. And it's pretty wild. And we're going to get, I'm not going to get into my son. That's really not the point, but that's where I really just started learning stuff. And it's fascinating. And Jay actually has some training in consciousness, subconsciousness, in some of his coaching and mentorship training. As a nurse, obviously, I've had lots of anatomy and physiology on the brain. And I can talk to you about the occipital and the frontal and the parietals and, and all that stuff. But the functionality of the brain and how it works, that's what is fascinating. And so obviously we are, one, we're not neurologists, we're not specialists in the brain, we're not mental health, we're not any of that. But we want to just talk in an overview from a, a bigger perspective in general, how the brain works and how it is important in our everyday lives and how we actually can I'm not going to say manipulate, I guess the words manipulate our brain, but train our brain. Maybe that's more accurate. Train right. our brain for optimal performance. So yeah, that's kind of where we're going to start. I'm going to let Jay kind of get things warmed up and then I'm going to jump in here and there. And then subsequently in following podcasts, we're actually going to get into some more special areas, but right now this is just more like overview brain 101 and just some general just some general knowledge of the subconsciousness and the consciousness is your unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that you use the word train. I think that's exactly right. And yes. so there's a couple of things, Donna, when you said, I'm just going to kind of get us warmed up. And I think that's important. You all now know that I'm a quote guy because I've given you one almost every episode leading up to this one. And why would I not do it again on this one? So Two things. I have a friend of mine, a mentor that one time said to me, we cannot beware of something until we're first aware of something. So part of this is about just raising your awareness because most people go through life not understanding how things occur or happen, you know, what it is that drives them. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. And to that end, let me use this quote. This is one that I use anytime I'm out talking to groups about the human brain. It's a quote from Carl Jung. His last name is spelled J-U-N-G. But he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And I think that's really important. And so one of the things we were talking about, Donna, you and I just over the last few weeks getting ready for today's session is we don't understand how much of what we do on a daily basis is programmed. It's just autopilot kind of stuff. In fact, there's research and studies out there that you and I have both seen and read and weighed, thought about that says about 85% of our day is roughly autopilot. We don't have to be consciously aware at all because it's all in our subconscious. We've done these activities so many times that it's just written to memory and therefore we, we can check out and let it do what it does. What were you going to say, Don? Well, that's exactly you hit a little thought here with me, the, the research part. And I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I love looking up research. And actually, I got this from a friend of mine that is a therapist and actually specializes in neurofeedback. And I was asking him about what his thoughts were with the uh, conscious versus subconscious mind. And he's like, here's this article that is really a great summary. And it's from Scientific America. And it's called The Predictive Mind. So let's go back to Freud. Freud believed in that we were separate, right? We had the id, ego, and superego, right? right. And, and they were three separate functioning things. And the counter model to that is called predictive mind. And so essentially is that automatic processes play a central role in the mind. It allows us to predict events quickly and accurately as they arise. That is our subconscious working, right? So learning, experiencing consciousness constantly improves our implicit or our unconscious predictions. And we take notes of events 
only when the prediction fails. So we become conscious when things are not happening automatically. So I'll give you an example because people will be like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make much sense. Like, how do we cook an egg? How do we do this? How do we do that? So I'll take myself as an example. I'm a nurse, right? Been a nurse for 30 years. Um, Haven't been in the hospital for probably a good 10 years. God, it's hard to believe that. But yeah, probably around a good 10 years. Gosh. So do I know how to start an IV? Yes. Do I know how to give a shot? Yes. Do I know how to insert a Foley catheter? Yes. I know how to do all those things. I can go back in my memory and, and remember the steps to do that. But when I get into the hospital, the automation's not there on this needle works better. I've got to go at this angle. This type of skin needs this. Those are the automated processes that have happened when I'm doing things over and over again. They just become second nature. It's that, and we call it finesse. And you'll hear nurses say, oh, I lost my finesse. And those are all our automated processes. Here in the doctor, halfway down the hall, talking about what he wants to do next, picking up on that, to listen for this, you know where to go for that. That person, mm, not doing so good, Auto, but it's in the back of your mind. You may not be doing anything about it, but you're keeping it in the back of your mind. You're collecting that information subconsciously all the time. So that's kind of what they're getting at is that if I'm looking at, like, I'm just using nurse again. If I'm looking at a patient and I'm like, hmm, okay, he's doing what he's supposed to. I'm not really thinking about that. I'm just scanning him over. I'm seeing his colors good. His breathing's good. I look up at his vitals. Those are good. Like I can walk in a room and probably do that in about 10 seconds. As soon as that patient starts getting off track, boom, I'm kicking in. What do I need to do now? He is off track. I need to get him back on track. Do I need to call the doctor? Do I need respiratory? Do I need to call a coat? Like what's going on? I click in, right? Yeah. We do that in all our lives. And you said it when we were talking before the podcast, you said, we don't, if we didn't have that, we'd be relearning everything over and over again. I mean, the whole saying of it's like riding a bike, you never forget. Yeah. Exactly. It's an automated process. If you had to get off that bike and go away for five years and come back on and relearn it again, oh my gosh, we'd be relearning our lives every day. It would be, what's that? Um, What's that movie with Drew Barrymore? First 50 yeah, dates? Yeah, 50 first dates. 50 that's what came dates. to mind when you said that's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> 50 first dates. Yeah. That, no, and look, that's what, what our life would be like. It would, Yeah, what you're describing, and you've all, I think all of you listening to us have heard this saying before, muscle memory. Yes. You know, when you are repeatedly or, or repetitiously doing something, it does, it just becomes a second nature. You don't have to consciously think about every step. So you hear Donna talking about all that knowledge is still there, but because she's been out of that hospital environment for the length of time she has, she could still be highly successful walking right back into it, but it would take a little bit of time for that muscle memory to come back. And there, there are a couple of things in there, Donna. I love to say to people, you don't think that you, that 85% of your day is, is, occurring via autopilot. Here's an example I love to use. Let's say you drove from point A to point B and you arrive at your destination. So for those of you listening, have you ever done that? Driven from one place to another, you get to your destination and all of a sudden you're kind of sitting in your car and you have this increased heart rate, a a little bit of anxiousness, a little bit of trepidation. You think, oh my gosh, how did I get here? I don't remember passing the bank, the school, this particular restaurant. It's because you've literally made that drive so many times from home to work or work to home that your subconscious said, hey, feel free to check out. I got this. And I want you to know you were absolutely safe. But here's the deal. Had anything changed in the environment along your way, something out of the ordinary, a car jets out in front of you, the process of the subconscious turning back over to the conscious happens so fast that you're often and most likely able to react. So in a, in a fraction of a second, the subconscious hands back to you and now you're consciously aware and you can respond. Otherwise, you are just letting it do, let the process play out as it's played out many times before because you know the way. 
and you didn't have anything to worry about. And I love the example you use about riding a bike. I mean, that's a fantastic one. You don't forget how to drive a car, ride a bike, walk. You don't have to tell yourself, leave in a room, extend arm, grab doorknob, rotate wrist 45 degrees, pull or push door, because we've done these things so many times. So there's two things that I want to um, add to this. So if you think, go to the military, some of our most intense training, our special forces guys, right? They are put under intense training. I think of them, I think of things like martial arts. They're put under intense training repetitively. Why? What is the reasoning? They want us to react. That's what they want. They want you to react without thinking because you don't have time to say, that person is raising a gun at me. That person is going to be pulling the trigger. Like you have any time for that. You have to know, holy crap, duck and roll or whatever the training is. You have to be able to know the environment and subconsciously be picking up those signs or those, what's the word I'm looking for? The, just the environment signs and what is going on in the environment. I'm, I'm lacking the exact word, but you have to know that okay, we're status quo, and you have to know immediately something's changing, right? So they are put under intense training, so they are reacting. So their subconscious mind is constantly working to make sure everything is, for. well, how do I want to say this? That they're automatically responding to their environment, and they all know at the right moment when the change happens and how they are supposed to respond to the change. Yeah, that's really good. No, that's exactly right. It's a reactive response that's already been written to code. And and so that's where it becomes very helpful. And I, I know we haven't really quickly highlighted some of the main components of the brain. Maybe I'll turn back to you and have you hit on these briefly, Donna. But from the subconscious standpoint, I love to refer to our subconscious like a giant storehouse, a warehouse, if you will. I mean, where our memories, our habits... Uh, our reasoning, all those things are kind of stored. I even love to think about a visual image because we don't think in words, everybody, just to be clear. Right. Like if I was to ask you to think about your car, you don't think about your car and see C-A-R. You think about what it literally looks like. For me, right. it's a Ford Mustang. I see my car. So these things are written to programming. I love to kind of picture the subconscious mind a little bit like an old jukebox, one that you could go up and push a letter and a number on. And this arm retrieves one of the old albums or a CD. And then, then it plays the track you want. Well, to me, that's the programming that we currently have in our subconscious mind. And when we go to reprogram, when we begin to seek ways to change the results we're getting in our life, we want to think differently. We want to have more of the good in our life and less of the bad. We've got to bump it up against that programming. And just to be honest with you all, if your programming up to this point has been heavily ingrained with negativity uh, or limitation, that's it's tough to overcome that. But it can be overcome. Everything's a process, but it's just like working out, everybody. You can't say New Year's resolution. Here we are in 2022. I want to get in shape and you go and you buy yourself a gym membership and you go one time and then you don't go again for two months. Are you really going <laughs> to, right? Are you really going to get the benefit of that? So I want you all to know as Don and I are sharing with you in this episode, if there's things that you're wanting to change in your life, it can be done, but it's going to be work, but you're going to need to be persistent and consistent in order to manifest that, to bring it to light. So Donna, just circling back to you, you may have a comment on what I just shared, but do you, will you also just maybe take a brief second and share some of the, just the larger components of the brain that we just yeah. think will be helpful for people to understand? I think that one thing I wanted to add was, and I, I want people to keep this in mind, that with the predictive mind and the new theory, it is our subconscious that is driving us. It is not our consciousness. And so we've said this in different ways. Just keep that in mind. Our subconscious is what drives yep. our consciousness. So important. it's an important point to just hold on to. So if, I'll just talk some very general, like six parts of the brain, okay? Just so we have some ideas 
So you have the brainstem. If you don't have brainstem, you don't have life, right? That's heart regulation, breathing, all that. If the brainstem goes, you go to. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've met a few people in society that may be lacking. That's not nice. I'm There's just been some questionable ones. I, I definitely will. <laughs> They've had limited brainstem function. And then we have the cerebellum. And then your cerebellum, that's all your balance and equilibrium. When that's thrown off, that's where you lose some spatial awareness. And this is where it's a memory for your, your reflex motor is housed. And then you have the, so the cerebellum is just above um, the brainstem. And then you have kind of up in the upper, in the mid area, if you put your hand on top of your head, that's your parietal lobes. If you put your hand on top of your head, that's a parietal lobe. And those are responsible for your touch, your taste, your smell. And, and that's where you can, this is a person that you can reach your hand into a bag and feel around and go, that feels like an orange. Or you're like, oh, those are my keys. That's where that's housed, right? So you know how to touch stuff and, and know what the, you can recognize it by touch. This is where you're reading, writing. This is where all your academics this is what you're using when you're studying at school also. And then on your sides is your occipital, but right above the cerebellum, if you put your hand just a little bit higher, then you're dealing with the occipital lobe here. And the occipital lobe, that's with your visual reception, your visual interpretation. And, and then this is reading, perception and recognition of that. And then if you come forward, and you go to your handbrake on your forehead, this is where your frontal lobe is. And your frontal lobe is where problem solving, judgment, inhibition, impulse, planning, anticipation, this is where executive functioning order is, what part of it is learning how to plan. This is where your personality is housed. Um, this is why your children like make decisions and you look at them with your head cocked, wondering where in the world did that come from? It came because they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe. That's scientifically proven fact. They don't have a developed frontal lobe. And I remind myself of that every day with a 14 year old and a 10 year old, mm. they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe and they make all kinds of crazy decisions and they're emotionally labile. Jay and I are both dealing with the teen years right now. And we have emotional. Liability. <laughs> it's true. So that's where all that is housed. And so that's just like the overview of the brain itself. And then there's some other areas that are more to do with emotions and feelings. So then there's your limbic system that's tucked in there in the middle. And that has to do with feelings and emotions. And then we get into something that we call the RAS, the reticular activating system. And that is basically what is sending messages back and forth. That's the one that's given, basically telling your body or your thinking. I mean, if I had to really summarize it, that's your thinking. So it goes through the central core. It goes through the fancy term, the medulla oblongata. It goes through the pons and it stops in the midbrain. And basically it's a bunch of neurons. It goes through and it's responsible for arousal, attention, sleep, regulates awareness. And guess what that all is? It's your consciousness, right? So now you're subconscious to your consciousness. That's your RAS. It is you consciously thinking, making decisions, sending messages throughout your body, messages coming back. And that is your consciousness that we wrapped up into the fancy word, the RAS. Can I step in right there, Donna? Yep. I, when I, I have fun with people when I talk about the RAS, the R-A-S, right? The reticular activating system is what she was saying. I love when I'm out in a group and talking with them, I'll say something like, have you ever you know, purchased a car and you thought, man, this is hot. No, I don't see these very often. I'm going to stand out in the crowd when I leave the lot with this. Man, what a sweet ride. I'm going to love the attention I get. And you drive off the lot in this new car and this car that you think is so unique to you, color-wise maybe, in particular, all of a sudden you're driving down the road and there's one exactly the same color. There's another <laughs> one the exact same color. That, and you're thinking, I don't remember seeing any of these prior to today. And now here I have one and now they're everywhere. Come on. It's because your RAS has been activated. 
And right. you're looking specifically for that. So here it goes, everybody. I'm going to have a little fun with you. When you go out after listening to this podcast, I want you to start looking for orange Ford Mustangs. <laughs> and you're, you're going to be surprised. You're thinking orange. That's an off color. There can't be that many of those. Provide us feedback, right? Because I every How time many I did you this, see? I, yeah, every time I do this, I have people come back to me and go, Jay, I just saw another orange Mustang. I can't believe it. That's that happened I'm to me because my favorite cars are muscle cars. I'm an yeah. old classic girl. Come and, on. And I do. I want a 68 old 442. I like it. And when I start thinking like, maybe it's time to get one, guess what I see on every street corner, <laughs> every version of a muscle car. And I'll be like, oh, I kind of like that one. Ooh, what about this one? Yeah. And yeah. so there they are. They're all out and about. It's the same thing. No, it's exactly right. I, I drive a bright red convertible Mustang. And when I bought it, I thought, well, it's certainly going to draw the attention of our friends in law enforcement, but I don't see many of them like this. Uh, they're everywhere. I see them all over the place. But here's why I say this to you, everybody. I love that Donna was going a little more in depth on the RAS. It is important. It's because we could go outside our homes and we can find bad. You agree? There's a lot of bad in the world. There's no doubt about it. But you know what else is true? There's a lot of good. And if you leave your home and you go out into the world and you start looking for the good, I promise you it's there to be seen. And so here we are activating your RAS. I want you, we want you to be more positive, more hopeful, more optimistic. We want you to begin taking charge of your life and not letting life just happen to you. And sadly, everybody, sadly, I think most people accept their lives. They don't lead their lives. And that's why having this awareness that we're bringing to you today is we want you to understand the way it works and we want you to begin manifesting more of the good. What do you think, Donna? I absolutely agree. When I went to Germany, I noticed, well, I couldn't watch the news. It was my normal habit to get up in the morning and turn on the news. And, and that habit stemmed from being a nurse and working in major medical centers and wanting to know what kind of patients I was getting that day. I'd see how many accidents were and what hospitals they were going to. <laughs> so that kind of just continued on. I would have the news on every morning. Well, when I got to Germany, it, well, unless I was watching AFN, there was really nothing to watch. I didn't understand German news. And so I just didn't have it on. And what I actually noticed, my stress level went down like significantly, because I wasn't consciously getting that information fed to me all time and all the bad things that were happening all the time. And to this day, I do not watch the news regularly. The only thing I will do is I might scroll through like internet or Facebook or something like that, but I get to pick the stories I want to read. And sometimes I just glance at them because it had lowered my stress a lot. And then what I started also doing was I had time to see what good things were happening. And I, I am an eternal optimistic. I, I've been told I'm idealistic many times and I'm the internal optimist. But for every situation, there is a silver lining. And that's how I choose. I consciously choose to see life. And I'm not any different than anybody else. I've had some bad things happen, but I'm like, what is good out of it? A couple of my jobs in the military, whew, they challenged me to my core absolutely to my core. And do I want to do them again? Never. Am I grateful that I actually had the experience? Amazingly, yes, because some pretty amazing things came out of that. And part of that was my growth. And nobody wants to go through those hard times, but you know, flowers don't bloom unless they're watered and you need rain for that. So you need storms for that, right? So you can't have good without bad. You can't have light without dark. I mean, we can get, we think we've so talked good. about that in the past. So if we're bringing good stuff to our consciousness and we keep trying to find the good in stuff and try, and I'm not saying that bad things don't happen. They do. And I'm not saying I haven't had days where I'm like, why me? Why is this happening? And I haven't had a pity party day. You are allowed. You're just not allowed to wallow in it. Yes, that's, that's really the difference. Yeah, that's huge. And look, Donna, one of the things that uh, I think really connected us as friends early on is 
the way you just described yourself is exactly how I see you. Not that it's a perfect world, not that you don't face challenges. You're a solution seeker, not a problem focused individual. I think there's a huge difference in that. And I have bad days, just like anyone else listening, because you said that about yourself too. And What's really helpful, though, is when I'm in a little bit of a downtrodden moment, I know if I reach out to you, you help me see the other side of the beach ball Uh, and you help me shift my attention back to who I normally am and who I should be and am fully capable of being. And it's nice to have people in our lives like that. So who is that for you? everybody. Just think about that for a moment. Take a moment of reflection about the people in your life who are there for you, who routinely encourage you. I'm not saying placate you. I don't think any of us like to be placated. I'm talking about people who are truly there for us because they see us for the worth that we have. They care about us enough to be straightforward with this and to remind us of the good. And I think that's really important for kind of the work that we're talking about right now. And maybe you've heard it said this way too, we become the byproduct of the five people we spend the most time with. Now let's not get into dissecting whether that number is really three or five or 10. Let's just look at it at face value. Do you know people in your life that are pessimistic, negative, downtrodden people. You use the term wallow. I know people who can find a problem in any good situation. And I just know that when I've spent time with people who are routinely negative, pessimistic, lack-minded, right? They see limitation rather than abundance. I start to become more like that. I start to think more like them. And I choose not to do that today. I still have friends who are like that. I just don't spend a lot of time with them. I still love them, care for them, but they're not willing to change. They're not willing to step outside of that and objectively look at at who they are and, and the way that they present themselves in this negative energy they kind of bring. I choose to align myself and spend my time with people who are happy, who are optimistic, who are, again, abundant mindset kind of people. I really believe there's a lot of good out there. And when we channel that and stay and cling tightly to, that's what we begin to invite more of in our life. When you hear someone say something like, why do bad things always happen to me? (laughs) Well, well, you ought to take a look maybe at the way you think on a routine basis. And again, Donna's already hit thinking is conscious. That's in the conscious mind. And, and Donna's just bringing us back, taking what you just shared and, and thinking about this. This is why we have to be careful about who we allow to speak into our lives. So when you were talking about the news and you're not watching it anymore, I'm right there with you, my friend. I think what sells in the news is a lot of the bad on a well, daily basis. sensationalize. I just, sorry, I totally interrupted you, oh, but you're it just good. popped in my head. I was just reading an article the other day. So I was, I follow the COVID stuff and the new like Omicron and how that's functioning. And they wrote in, it. I was just telling this to my other friend, that's a nurse. I was so annoyed because they said, Oh, the Omicron, there's a higher risk for diabetics to get ketoacidosis. The details of that don't matter, except that ketoacidosis is a very worsening, worse state of diabetes, right? It puts you in the hospital. There's lots of problems that happen. But the point is that the news sensationalized that because the reality is any illness for a diabetic can cause them can go to ketoacidosis. So I was super annoyed by that. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're going to put that in there and scare people when you can seriously get the flu or you can go in for surgery or you can just have some other condition kick in and it can throw your diabetes off. I have taken care of more people in the commissary that have had their diabetes out of whack because they had a bad cold. It, It is what it is. Don't sensationalize stuff. And it causes us to be panicky. You know, reading in the news, like, oh, the number of kids going in the hospital because of COVID is going up like crazy. And, and then even me, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you start getting worried and then you start thinking about it and it becomes the forefront. And the reality of it is, if you really looked at all the numbers, yes, the number might be higher. That might be a reality, but the overall number might actually be pretty small. 
Yeah. And they're not marketing that. And, and oh, it drives me crazy. And I'm not saying not to take that stuff seriously. Trust me, take it all seriously. But to live in that and start getting afraid and start to get panicky over it's just, it's an energy zapper. That's what you were saying. People around you that are always negative. I call them, you know, energy vampires. They just yeah. suck your energy because <laughs> even though you're trying to bring them up and you're trying to be positive, they're, they're not going to have it. They want to bring you down. So when they're doing that and they're putting this stuff into not only your conscious, but some of your subconscious, guess what? That's just circulating around in there. It comes to the forefront. Now you're consciously thinking of it. And and then what? The world's now negative. The world's going to end. Whatever. Here we go. Yeah. No, it's really good. And as I'm sharing and unpacking some things, it generates a thought with you. And that's what, what's probably happening with our listeners too. And and so that's why we say we love hearing your feedback. And we'd love for you even to share other ideas. You shared earlier where you talked about flowers need rain and and storms as well are what bring the rain. It made me think when you were sharing visual examples. And But here's what you get when you start having these visual, everybody. It, again, activates your conscious mind. You begin to spend a little bit of time thinking about these things. And when you're thinking, you're able to intentionally, that's the key, intentionally begin to put some thoughts to what it is you want, not what you don't want. Let's not focus on what we don't want. Let's focus on what we want more of. And let's go back just briefly. Let's look at ourselves as infants, as new creations. The conscious mind is not there at the beginning. It's not there. It begins to form somewhere, they think, around 15 months. It doesn't fully form until they think. And again, there's different research and science out there till nine-ish. That's right. Well, so five is actually conscious mind is somewhere around the age of five when memories start to form yes. somewhere between five and six. Is I agree with that completely. Yeah. I agree with yeah. that completely. So what does that mean? See, the conscious mind is a gatekeeper, everybody. It has the ability to accept or reject. So somebody could say something to you. You're consciously focused on them, listening to them. You could quickly say, you know what? I agree with that. Or you can be really quick to dismiss it. But it's the gatekeeper to the subconscious mind. So what happens when the conscious mind isn't fully formed and the subconscious is just there? It can only accept. It's why when my daughter, Donna, was a young infant, because I had read and heard some of this information much earlier on, every night I put her to bed listening to classical music, Beethoven, Mozart, whoever, because they just have found that some of that has uh, a really creative aspect to it and it can really help the mind grow. It's why when my daughter was in the first few years of life, I would constantly say to her, you're beautiful, you're confident, you're strong, you're going to do amazing things in the world. It was just all positivity that I was pouring into her. It doesn't mean, everybody hear me, I said this earlier, using the gym as an example. Just because you join a gym doesn't mean you're going to get in shape. You've got to use it. You've got to go do something with it. Well, this is what's true. When you start to reprogram or change uh, your subconscious programming, it will take work, but it can be done. But you're going to have to really intentionally go about it on a daily basis. I read this book not too terribly long ago, Donna. It's called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. It's by an author by the name of James Clear. He's a behaviorist. My undergrad degree is heavily rooted in behavior analysis. And you've heard people say things like this, Donna, I think. How long does it take to form a habit? Oh, about 30 to 45 days. James Clear kind of pushes back against that. He says, we need to quit asking how long it takes and instead how often, meaning the more we do something, the more likely it is to create and form this habit and get it created as a program. So quit thinking about it in terms of 30 to 45 days. Start thinking about it in terms of repetition. How often are you going to do this? Because the more often you do something, the more likely it has of of forming this new habit. And your habits are stored inside your subconscious mind. So it's repetition. And you've hit that numerous times in things that you've been bringing into this conversation today, Donna. And I think it's just really important that 
that people understand this. It's why when they have this new thought or idea and they go attempt to do something and it doesn't take hold and then they get frustrated and maybe throw their hands in the air in the defeatist posture, I surrender, I give up. You know, don't give up. If what you want is what you want, then you've got to cling tightly to it and not let that go. Because the more you continually, persistently pursue it, telling yourself the things that uh, are going to come from this new desire that you have, that's when you're going to start to reprogram. But it, you've got to, it can be, that can happen to you for good or bad. And let me just end with this point before I swing back to you, Don. These things happen with people who are influential in our life. And influence can be good or bad. So if you have someone in your life who has always had a scarcity mindset, a lack mindset, and that's all you've grown up around to see challenge and struggle, guess what you're likely to manifest in your life is struggle and challenge. With a teacher, an influential person in our early formative years saying something to us like, Jay, you're just not any good at math. And because someone influential said that to me, I adopted that as truth. And I therefore never liked math, never really fully applied myself to math and told myself literally, now remember, you're not good at this, Jay. What's not, what I now know to be true, I'm actually decent at math and I can work on becoming better. I'm I'm not saying that's something that, <laughs> that you did I necessarily... really good counting fireworks and in inventory. Oh yeah, see, thanks. <laughs> that's a man. That's a totally different kind of. That's painful. But you know what I found with my daughter Donna is they don't do math the way that I grew up learning it. But we're both oh, able to get to the right outcome. We just do it different ways. But I'm not horrible at math at all. And I had to finally just say, you know what? It was untrue what yeah. someone said to me. And so I just want you all, our listeners, to. Think Think about this. You've got to be careful about things you adopt in your life as truth. I want you to question everything. Where did you first hear something? When did you first learn something? Is what you're doing serving you in a meaningful way or is it not? And if it's not, then let's quit doing it and let's find another way that is going to serve you in a purposeful, meaningful way. What do you think about that, Don? So I'm going to, I'm going to take your example of math and turn it around. So my daughter um, hated math. If she was left quietly alone, you'd watch her and she'd actually do it. But if she got away from it for a little while, she would struggle to get back into it. Well, this manifested up this year again. And I happened to meet with the teachers and she has awesome teachers. Big shout out to Randolph Elementary. They're great school. And one of her teachers said, Hey, and she wasn't the math teacher. She was her homeroom teacher. She goes, I struggled when I was younger too. She goes, you know what? I'll work with her. I go, she's struggling with division. And I said, she just gets herself worked up and then it all blanks out. So long story short, she said, hey, Bianca, why don't you come in the morning and we'll do a little tutoring together. And she loves this teacher. So she's like, okay. And I am not kidding you. Within two weeks, this girl was rocking out math. And she did it, even now she's doing it. She goes, look, mom, 98, 100, 90, 95, no problems at all. Because the teacher invested in her and told her, hey, look, I struggled and I learned you can do the same. And here she is, she's rocking it out. I'm going to turn this a little bit though, because you and I both have, not only have we spoken, you know, more motivationally about making conscious decisions getting habits into our subconscious, all that good stuff. But I want to take this because when I hear that to people, sometimes I can almost get the feeling of people saying, yeah, okay, but I am still struggling. I am taking this advice. It is not working. What do we do with the population? Not what do we do with them, but what advice do we give to the population that is struggling due to things like PTSD, anxiety, depression, overwhelmness, survivor's guilt, basically our military veterans that are coming out. And even those in the military, they're struggling with this stuff and they're trying to put on the good face and they're still not cutting it. What are we doing with that population? How are we helping them? So I'm going to go back to something Jay talked about the 
subconscious and the consciousness is not really forming till about age five or six. Prior to that, if bad things, I say bad things, traumatic experiences are happening prior to the consciousness, the brain's goal is to protect itself, right? It's going to survive in the most optimal way it knows how. But it may do some suboptimal things to do that survival. So if there is significant trauma precognitively before the age of five, the brain can do things like dissociate. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details about this. We will talk about that in further podcasts, but it can basically block memories in certain parts of the brain. So other parts of the brain doesn't even know it exists anymore. And that's where you can get things like dissociative identity disorder, what people might've known as multiple personality syndrome. Maybe my generation might be familiar with the book and the movie Sybil, that type of stuff. That's very extreme. That's a very extreme end. But it does exist. And that's when trauma occurs prior to the consciousness, which is just more validation that the subconscious drives us more than our consciousness. We don't have a consciousness before this age, but yet it affects our lives. And for people that end up with full dissociation, it affects their entire life. So when we have that and we have a processing issue, how do we go forward to try to get to the point where we are making positive choices, we're positively influencing our subconsciousness and influencing our consciousness to look in a more positive light to be able to move forward. Well, the bottom line is you can't just think your way through that. You need some help. And that's totally okay because I always tell people, and I've dealt with a lot of people in my previous job that had mental health issues, PTSD, anxiety, depression, DID, you name it. I think I've handled it in some capacity. And I've worked closely with trauma therapists and neurofeedback people and talk therapy and group therapies. And I've helped facilitate a lot of that. And what I can tell you is the first thing I want the audience to keep in mind you didn't ask for the trauma. It is not your fault. That's first and foremost. The trauma happened to you and your accountability in all this is to figure out the resources to help you process things better, to help you find closure, to help you start healing so you're able to positively influence your life again. Okay. So that's first and foremost. For people that are helping them, what they see is a result of trauma. Keep that in mind. That is not their fault. Okay, so having said all of that, what are the options? Now, I'm not going to get into a whole laundry list because like I said, subsequent podcasts, we're going to start bringing in some people that we can talk about these, but there's all kinds of options. And so the baseline stuff is obviously a therapist talk therapy. The earlier the intervention you get from a traumatic event, the higher chance you have of actually overcoming that event and getting back to more of like normal processing and healing the trauma. Medication. I am I a big I'm the nurse that has very few meds. I'm the first and foremost to say it. But do I think there's a place for medication? Absolutely. I do. I think that there's a place for medication to help stabilize and then there to help you be able to work through things. And then there should be a plan to help you work off it or to minimize it. We should always be at the minimal amount of medication that we need to keep going. Then we can get into things like group therapy. Sometimes that works well for people. And I'm going to list out different stuff that may work for you and may not work for you, but I tell people, you can't just do something once go, yeah, that doesn't work. I'm not comfortable. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. Comfortable, actually uncomfortable might mean that's exactly what you need to kind of work through and to get through your, whatever issues you have going on. So there's group therapy. There's what they call IOP, which is basically you're doing like group therapy in different modalities every day for part of the day. There's partial hospitalization. That's another step up. That is also, they can do that on a residential or a non-residential. And that's when you're actually going all day for different modalities of care. 
And then there's all the way to inpatient typically is shorter term, usually up to 30 days is about the standard. That's an area to get you started, right? It's teaching you the tools. And then we have acute inpatient and that's to get people stabilized so they can go on to get care. That's a very general overview. But I think it's important for us to talk about when we're talking about subconscious and consciousness is that sometimes our brain's a little broke, right? You break a leg, you can have a broken part in your brain. If you break a leg, you cannot go do a marathon. So why in the world would you think if you have something broken in the brain that you can just go on and do normal activities? So I, I put that out for people because I want to normalize this. You didn't cause the trauma happened to you. The responsibility is to go get the care so you can get back to this. And I'm never going to say normal state because I don't even think any of us have a normal state. I think it's all our own state, but an optimal state for your performance. Yeah, that's my medical side of the spiel on it. Just to get people to understand that we can talk about, look at the silver lining, let's be positive. Our subconscious influence our consciousness. And if we're putting positive in the subconsciousness, it's going to influence the consciousness. And that is all well and good. But there is times where you need a little more help than just looking in the mirror in a Superman pose saying, I'm awesome. You need a little bit more than that. And it is okay. And we really encourage people to reach out and get that help. And honestly, if you don't know what to do and where to start, you can reach out to Coming Home Well and you can ask, they can get messages to us and we are more than willing to help with resources. In the future, we'll be having some specialists on that can talk about some of the different modalities. Yeah. So that's my medical spiel, Jay. <laughs> no, I like it. It's really good. And, and I'll share just a couple of things and I'll just swing back to you to put a bow on this episode is all the examples you just gave of places people can begin to to go and you said if you know something doesn't work for them in particular don't give up on it or don't just close it all off entirely there's all these different things you should be trying uh, because you're going to find something that does work for you and for me everybody I'm just going to tell you I, I have no shame in telling you I have a therapist I came out of a divorce within the last three years, a 26-year marriage that I didn't know or wasn't aware was floundering and was just kind of caught flat-footed by it. And I have to tell you that going and seeing a therapist and having somebody who is trained and was able to be an objective party for me, someone who was caring enough to be a straight shooter with me, because I think the other part of this, Don, is we see ourselves as we want to be seen. We don't always see ourselves as we really are. Correct. And in my therapist helped me a lot being really objective to look at things. And I have no shame in saying that, that I have a therapist. I talk about it freely, openly in any circles I'm in. Uh, big rooms with lots of people or just one-on-one -on -one conversations because I found someone good for me, something good for me, something that helped me reflect, dissect, if you will, the things that I've done in the past, the way that I'm currently thinking, and to look at whether or not it was healthy or unhealthy or ways that I might be able to view it differently, equipping me with tools to help me navigate challenges differently in the future. All of that, very helpful for me. And so the whole part of this episode has been to raise awareness for everybody. And we're giving you uh, some suggestions and things to consider. And we just want you to think differently. And I feel like I've said this in a previous episode, back to another quote, but George Bernard Shaw said, 2% of people think, 3% think they think and 95% of people would rather die than think. And, and thinking is really important, but it begins from a place of awareness. And you now have an understanding that a lot of your day is autopilot, it's programmed. And if you're going to change the results you're getting in your life, you're going to have to change the programming. And we hope that this is the start. We hope that this is a place for you to drop a marker on a map, if you will, today to say this is up to this point, I've been doing these things that hasn't worked for me. I'm going to begin doing something different. And I'm going to I want to add on that really yeah, quick. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Ad advocacy. So you have to advocate for yourself 
if it is a struggle, you have somebody with you to help you advocate. Yeah. Jay made a comment. He has the therapist that he works with, that he clicks with. Not everybody is a perfect fit. That doesn't mean you have to stick with it. So if somebody is not a perfect fit, you change. And a good therapist will understand that. And they'll be like, absolutely. You have to trust that person with the most vulnerable part of yourself. So it better be a good fit. Not all modalities will work. And I'll give a quick example. Equine therapy is basically working with horses to help process some of your trauma. If you haven't done it um, and you're interested, reach out. We can find places, but it's pretty cool. I watched a session and it was a whole bunch of firefighters and they were doing this equine therapy. And I watched this one guy struggle and he just wasn't clicking and I could see he was annoyed. And it was the first person I saw that wasn't into it. And I thought, that's crazy. Like all these horses and it's beautiful. And yeah, it wasn't happening. Well, the reason being is because this guy owned a cattle farm back home And the horses cost, his kids had horses and they ended up selling them because they cost a lot more money than the cows do. And then the kids begged for the horse back. He brought the horse back. And in his mind, it was zapping him of money. And he found the horse very frustrating. It didn't work for him, for his reasoning. If it doesn't work for you, it is fine. We keep trying different things. So don't give up. You just keep reaching out. And I'm, I'm telling you, there are resources out there. It's just that for all the technology and all the networking we have, sometimes it feels like they're still hidden. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And it made me just think of one last thought, and then I'm just swing it back over to you, Donna, to wrap us up. It, another mentor of mine, his name's Paul. He said to me probably five years ago, and it really resonated with me. He said, Jay, we don't get what we want. We get what we believe. And in your beliefs, everybody, guess where those reside? Also in your subconscious. So you've got to, you've got to really get clear about what it is that you want. No one can tell you that. I mean, we, you could just ask somebody and let people direct your life. But I think it, it re- falls on each of us, each one of us, to get clear about what we want. And then who can help us? Who can help us to begin to get to that place? And so just remember that we want a lot of things, but if it doesn't match up with your programming, if it doesn't align with your current belief system, I want to get X, but then you immediately follow that with thoughts of, but I'm not resourced. I'm not capable. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated. I'm not worthy. I'm not blah, blah, blah. Then we've already put a constraint on ourselves. So therefore we don't really believe it. And therefore we're not going to manifest it in our life. So you had to get really clear about it, get clear about what you want. And then we need to focus on the reprogramming. And there are certainly places and people who are skilled to help you do that. But if there's past trauma that needs to be worked through first, then that's the starting point. As a coach, I can tell you sometimes people will come to me and it will be clear to me that they need counseling before they can have effective coaching. And I'm not a counselor. So I will steer them to a professional, make a recommendation. And then maybe it takes several iterations before they really click, as Donna said, with that person. But at the end of the day, I just know that when there's things in our past we haven't moved beyond, we can't begin to manifest the good in our life. We first have to deal with those other things, and then we can begin to go after the newness that we want in our life. Donna, wrap us up. Okay. Quote. I'm going to do a quote too, Jay, because I saw this, and it (laughs) goes with what we were talking about. So it's a quote by Joseph Murphy. Once the subconscious mind accepts an idea, it begins to execute it. Now, what that says in my mind, manifestation. Yes. When we are getting our subconscious to accept it, we can manifest what we want to do. And I'm telling you, I feel like I'm the poster child for it right now. Things are happening at like 900 miles an hour. And apparently my subconscious has finally accepted some ideas of who I am and what I do. And which I think I've told you guys in the past is to connect people. And every time I turn around, there's another opportunity to do that. So if you can believe it, then you can do it. And I just want you guys to keep that in mind. And is the path easy? 
not always, rarely it is, but it is there. I love it. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Beyond the Front Lines. On behalf of Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Front Line, a podcast of coming home well. Join us every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at comminghomewell underscore BTS or on Twitter at comminghomewell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well.